0: Well, there's a sense in which all of us uh, need a guiding light in our life at different times, a source of wisdom or courage or hope or just sense of purpose, how to make sense of the craziness that goes on. We're all longing for light. And often at the end of the day here in Cincinnati, you might turn to your spouse, your kids or a next door neighbor and say, hey, it's getting dark around here. But if you live in a city or live in suburbia, it's never getting dark. (laughs) In the sense that light pollution allows there always to be some degree of light that allows us to see and not feel lost when things are dark. However, if you go out, like, keep heading out east, a couple hours from the city, away from suburbia, you're gonna see what real darkness can feel like. In fact, imagine joining me as we head out on a camping trip, and we're gonna get to a place that maybe there's no stars and there's no moon maybe even having a camping trip under the trees where all of a sudden there's a canopy of trees coming over and now it starts to feel like it's pitch black. And a second ago, it felt kind of a peaceful feeling of being out and now there's kind of that terror that kicks in as you start to hear every single noise around you. And there's that creepy bug sound, that cadence all around you. And every time it gets dark and you get scared, you kind of hear those sounds that you can't even recognize. What was that? What makes that kind of sound? Or maybe it's the sound of a howling coyote in the distance. And you're trying to calculate exactly how much distance <laughs> that is. And when fear begins to kick in, you feel kind of lost. You start to get a little terrified you would sort of run in one direction, but you're afraid you might get more lost or might put yourself in more danger. You think, I just wish I had some light. So you reach into your pocket on that camping trip, and sure enough, you brought a couple of these little glow sticks. You thought, I'm going to use those things to kind of mark the path to get back. If I could just remember how to get back to the camp so I don't get lost, so I don't turn the wrong way. And so you start marking the path you're on. But still, even in that, there's a sense in which it's just, not enough light. It's not marked quite well enough to know where you are, where you're headed. If only you could condense that light and bring it together to mark where you're headed. One of the little tricks they learned years ago is that you can take a milk carton filled with water. The translucence of it is a way in which you can combine and magnify light. And what look like just little specks can suddenly become magnified And now you have a source of light. All of a sudden, you can use that to not only guide your path, but there's kind of this warm glow of light that comes around you. A sense that you're not alone to calm your fears. And I think metaphorically, we all feel lost at times. But the circumstances that come our way, and, and we, we long for the warm glow of someone who can bring purpose and guidance and direction into our light. So maybe next time you find yourself lost in the darkness, you want to try that trick. You want to pull out a a milk carton and drop in some glow sticks and find your own path. Because there are times in all of our lives that we feel lost for different reasons. This next song I want you to hear is a song written by someone from Ohio. She got a golden buzzer with it on America's Got Talent. It was an original song. It was her longing to find some kind of guidance and purpose when she found out she had cancer. She found out that her whole medical life, her whole history was changed. So we've asked Emily to come on and sing this song, she didn't write the song, but she's gonna deliver the song, and see if it gives voice to that desire we all have to feel the warm glow of someone telling us it's gonna be okay, and we feel a little lost. Maybe you're feeling a little lost, it's okay. We all feel a little lost at times and sometimes it's a good lost It's you're taking your life or your company into new territory that's never hit before. And that comes with that adrenaline rush of trying things and going places no one's ever gone before but you also feel a little lost because no one's ever navigated these trails before. Or maybe it's the more heartfelt lostness you heard in that song you're facing a medical condition you never thought you'd face you never thought you'd have to hear the words cancer or deal with a stroke or maybe you're watching someone else that you care about fighting against covid or you lost someone like a funeral we're doing in a few days you're just feeling lost wondering if there's any meaning and purpose and sense to it all Sometimes it's relational, you know, the kids are going well and they obeyed really well right until this stage, they're not obeying as well as they used to. They're not making the choices that they used to respect and follow you in. And you're just feeling lost as a parent. Or maybe your marriage just had some high highs and some really high highs, so right now you're navigating a path of a valley that, man, you tried everything to not get into this path and you're just feeling lost. When we get to those stages, we want to Number one, no, we're not alone. There's people with us. We're not the first one to feel this way. We want the hope that it can be okay again. That maybe somebody could bring some meaning or purpose out of these wandering paths that seem to be going nowhere. And God is going to take his people on adventure. And I think he wants to take you on adventure too. That when you're feeling lost, he wants to lay out some lights for you to find your way home. Because we all need reminders of the light when we feel a little lost. Reminders that things are going to be okay. Reminders that we're not alone. Reminders that that God, if there is a God, he, he really is involved and interested in my life. He sees what's going on and he can work together all things for good. So today I want to show you three reminders and why God, of all the things he could do when he took his people on a 40-year camping trip, he gave them a tent. And it wasn't a camouflage tent, it was a, a big tent designed to remind them constantly of his light, of his presence, of his purpose. And it was really a call that when you feel lost, when you feel like, oh, my goodness, is there any any meaning come out of this? That's the very moment when you feel the farthest from God that he invites you and I to go on an adventure with him. So I invite you to step back into our tent for a moment and see these metaphors of light God uses and see what he's saying back then that he might want to say today to you and to me. Let's watch. Well, welcome to Adventures with God. As we're looking at this tent of meeting, this movable tent that God designed for His people, God's been inviting people on an adventure for years. He wanted to outfit His people for what they needed to face challenges and to face the unknown. In fact, He wanted to be their guide. In fact, not just that, he wanted to be their literal guide, so for 40 years he would lead them with fire and smoke. He wanted you and I to know that we can can trust him. We can trust him to be our literal guide when we face whatever wildernesses we have in our life. So here in the inner chamber of this tent of meeting or tabernacle was a light source, the menorah. Now it had practical reasons, right? It got dark in here and you need to be able to see what you're doing. But more than that, Lights and candles represent all kinds of rituals, all kinds of symbols. Think of it, for some of us it represents romance. Others it's the celebration of a birthday party. For some it's needing comfort when you're mourning. You light a candle for someone who died. Maybe it's the sacredness of the lighting a candle at the tomb of the unknown soldier. There's lots of ways in which through history candles have represented things. Now this menorah has seven individual arms or branches as outlined in Exodus chapter 37 where he tells Moses to build not just a candlestick, not just with seven branches, but to make it out of gold and to make it look like the branches of, a, of something you might find in a garden. Why gold? Why garden? Why does he mention this? Well, for all of the ancients, the gods all lived on mountaintops and they lived in beautiful, luscious gardens. And so even here in this space, God wanted you to create the idea that heaven and earth were together, that God was with you, figuratively and literally. And the Bible opens in Genesis chapter 1, and he shows when God is with mankind, they're in a literal garden paradise called Eden. So everything here was designed to show you that. God had seven individual parties. He wanted you to celebrate Him and enjoy life throughout the year, Passover, Sukkot, things like that. God was showing you that heaven and earth were coming together here in this space. So also in this space was an incense altar, a reminder that our prayers go up to heaven and God does truly hear us. But why does God specifically use smoke and fire in this space? Well, it's because future generations are going to hear about this incredible adventure with God, this 40-year this camping excursion, where God and the Bible says that He literally led them in two forms, during day he was a pillar of cloud, and during the night, a pillar of fire. See, God wanted future generations to know that He is with them, guiding them, leading them, helping them, just, just in the way He guided and led those in the past. That God's invisible presence is available to you and to me, and we could trust Him in the mountaintops or the valleys of our own wandering. That the God of the past can also be the God of the future. So three reminders that I hope that you can find today. The first one starts us in the past. God wants us to remember that he was the faithful fiery guide when you felt lost in the past. He was there. In fact, as he's leading the people on this adventure out of 400 years of Egyptian bondage, one of the weird things they do is they... Carry with them a bone box. They have the bones of someone who died 400 years earlier, named Joseph. And they bring this bone box with them. And here's what it says in the Bible it says they take this bone box, and archaeologists have found many bone boxes like this. And it says that they took the bones of Joseph with them. Because 400 years earlier, God had promised Joseph and his great-great-great-grandfather Abraham that he would one day lead his people to a promised land and take them on an adventure. But they've been waiting on that for 400 years. But as God leads the people out of Egypt, they don't forget what he did in the past. They literally have a box with the bones of Joseph, a reminder that this we are on an adventure fulfilling the very promises of God that go back centuries And by reflecting on what he did in the past, they had more and more confidence he could be their faithful, fiery guide in the present. And as God's leading them through the wilderness, it says he led them, the next passage says, with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Now, wouldn't that be nice? Like, wouldn't life be so much easier if we're like, which way should I go? Well, follow the cloud. You know, don't go left, go right. Hey, it's dark out. I'm feeling lost. Well, follow the pillar of fire. Now, immediately you hear that, and you might say, this is Chad, why I don't believe the Bible. You're, you want me to believe, as a scientific, enlightened, educated person, that there's a big, fat pillar of cloud that's actually telling them when to start and stop, and at night they get a big nightlight? Well, yeah. How could an educated person come to that conclusion? Well, a couple of reasons. One, when you think of God, right, as a concept, he's supernatural, And if someone is supernatural, they should be able to do supernatural things. If the Bible really is what it says it is, a record of how a supernatural God worked with normal people, if there were no miracles in it, wouldn't that be a problem? Like, what a lousy God. Like, he can't do anything. He just kind of, like, does normal stuff. So it's philosophically reasonable to say a supernatural God should do supernatural things. But most of the time, there's a normal, natural way of doing things. There's exceptions when supernatural things happen. And what the account tells us here is for 40 years, there's a supernatural way which God led his people. And for fun, sometimes just Google a fire tornado. And you'll see that a pillar of fire is very much a scientific possibility. Whenever there's a forest fire going through, the winds spin in such a way that it takes a small forest fire and it shoots it up 40, 50, 100 feet in the air and creates a swirl of fire. So it's actually something that can scientifically be done, that God did to lead his people. So for years, there was a sense in which they knew that God was with them because every morning he got up, there's a cloud, God's with me. There's a fire, God's with me. They had a reminder what God did in the past. And often in order to move into the future, we have to look back at things that happened in the past and things that we felt like we were so lost back then, didn't think you'd ever get out of that situation. And by reflecting on those reminders, it gives you hope and courage and confidence. Do you have any reminders like that in your life? Ways to remind you when you feel lost now that there were times you felt lost in the past and God was with you. That things didn't fall apart. He used even the bad things in the past to lead you to this place. My son Javen just turned 22. And one of our traditions we have as a family is we have a red plate. And so we have this red plate that we pull out every time there's a big event. New job offer, an area we prayed about that God answered. And we filled up one whole red plate. So we're on red plate number two. And it's just big moments. Sometimes it's grandma and grandpa writing down, they hit their 50th anniversary. That's a red plate moment. That's a lot of faithfulness over time and through fights and through the ups and downs of relationship. So at this uh, birthday party we had this week, I we, uh, made a little video, about an eight-minute video of Javen from the last 10 years. And we just watched it together with some friends and family. We just remembered all the adventures we've had as a family, the fun we've had, some good moments, some trips we've taken. Then we pulled out the red plate. Because Jamie had just got a a new job and he was just so excited. We were all praying about it together. And we just wrote on the red plate about the the new big job and the new big opportunity. We just celebrated. But we call this red plate our God sightings. It's not just good events. It's ways we saw God show up and prayed for God to show up. And boy, when we're in those moments when you feel lost and we're like, oh my gosh, he's going to show up. We've been praying about this for a while. We go back and we look at that red plate as a reminder that he was a faithful, fiery guide in our past. Sometimes it's not feeling lost. It's feeling a sense of loss. My friend Brenda calls me about every year. And part of her tradition is she loves going to Spring Grove. And she celebrates in the candle lighting ceremony there, if you've ever been there. People light a candle and they put it in the bag and they float it out into the cemetery, like people come and they grieve together. They experience loss together. but It's also a way in which they remember God's promises. See, the hope of Christianity is that when you put your faith in Christ, He defeated death, and so anyone who died, who's gone before you, it's not just a goodbye. It's a see you later. Because Jesus promises to do to them what he did for himself, to restore himself to life. And sometimes certain traditions and reminders in your life is a way to re-enter your grief, to re-enter loss, but also reflect on the promise that God's given in the past that he can bring light into darkness. He can bring life even from death itself. But the Bible wasn't designed just to be a history lesson of what God did in the past. that All of that was to fuel the idea that you could trust that he is, your, he is your faithful fiery guide right now when you feel lost, in the present. So God put certain symbols in place in this tent as they were on this adventure so they could right here and right now know that he was their faithful fiery guide. He did in a, a very unusual way. In fact, the book of Nehemiah, which is written like hundreds of years after Moses says it this way. Let me show it to you on the screen. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road they would travel. Now this guy is rebuilding the temple after years, 70 years of Babylonian bondage. I mean, they felt lost. They felt like God's not with us. They felt like, what's happened? We, we lost our homeland. And he says, no, God is with us now. He will be our faithful, fiery guide now. And he reflects on because he was in the past. So then they're traveling around this tent, and God puts these very specific symbols in their life years after the pillar's gone, years after the cloud's gone, to keep this metaphor in mind. Let's start with the light. He tells the priests as they're traveling through the wilderness and through years later when they had a temple. That their job was to constantly keep this thing lit. Look what it says in the Bible. Here was their job. Aaron shall burn on the lights and the incense altar. We're talking about the incense altar first. Sweet incense every single morning when he tends to the lamps. He will burn incense on it, a perpetual, ongoing, every day, don't not do this, before the Lord throughout all generations. Why is that? Why would every time you'd come into the the holy space or this tent, would you see smoke coming up, incense burning? It was a reminder that God is still your pillar of cloud. He's still with you now, just like he was with your ancestors. And God wants you to know he wants to be with you now. And put reminders in your life, promises in your life that you can know. He wants to be with you now, even if it's different from stories you've, you've read about in the Old Testament. Then those same priest's job were to keep the fire burning continually. In fact, he tells the, the, the priests of Aaron, I want you to keep burning the candles continually. Here's how he says it. Notice the words here. You shall make a lampstand pure gold. Its shaft, its branches, its flowers will be a one piece. And so the one they made looked a lot more like that. See how it looks like the branches coming off a tree? More than this kind of metal one. It was designed to look like that garden. And look what they were instructed to do. Keep the lamp burning continually. And they didn't have wax candles. They actually filled it with olive oil. So it was olive oil they kept in this thing. But their job was to keep the light going continually. It was a constant reminder that God is with you continually. You can count on him. You can trust on him. His promises are real. His promises are valuable. Now at the end of 40 years, God no longer reveals himself in that pillar of fire, in that pillar of cloud. In fact, Moses is passing away. He's just died. His second command, Joshua, is now in control. And they're just about to step into the promised land. And God says, Joshua, take your people and spend 30 days mourning The loss of this leader. And as soon as you step in the promised land, no more pillar. I'm like, well, that's when we need it most. And God says, Joshua, I got something better for you. Better than a pillar of fire? Better than a pillar of cloud? What's that? He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Here's how he says it. Next slide. Meditate on my word day and night. I'm going to give you this book, the Bible. And the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But I want you to meditate on it. Same way you meditated by seeing the cloud. I want you to meditate on my promises and my word day and night. And by doing so, I want you to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for I am with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God, even though there's no more pillars anymore, is still with you wherever you go. Now, You may not have a menorah at your house. We don't have a tabernacle anymore. You may not have an incense altar. But do you have reminders in your life to meditate on the promises of God that you can walk with and live in those promises that God wasn't just with those people then, but wants to be with you now? Because again, you're going to need that during the times you feel lost. Promises and truths you can anchor to when you're not sure where you're headed or where you're going. I started my first, it was part of my first church. I didn't start it, but I joined the team that was starting it in Atlanta. We had a senior pastor named Peter who was a really great leader, but not necessarily Mr. Empathy. You ever know some leaders like that? They're like really good at leading, but not real good at empathizing. So that was Peter. And then I had another pastor, my boss, the pastor of families, he was a real smart aleck, I just loved him, his name's Kevin, and then I was the youth pastor at the time. So we had this staff meeting, and our senior pastor had just returned from the hospital, where he'd visited someone who was going through some pretty serious medical conditions. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but just it was cancer, terminal, something significant. He returned, hey, we said, Peter, how's so-and-so doing? He said, you know, I just don't understand people who call themselves mature followers of God. That's an interesting intro. He says, you know, here's the medical condition. They got this terminal condition. They're facing this thing. But the whole time I was there, they were questioning God's goodness. Is this real? Is this true? You know, how could God really have a plan if I'm going through all this? I just don't understand people who can trust in God and trust trust in Jesus and have difficult circumstances and wonder if God is there. We're well, like, really? Because that's how I just feel all, all the time. So it's kind of this awkward moment in the staff meeting. And Kevin says, Hey Peter, can I share something? Sure. Kevin, we have to say. Hey, if I'm ever sick and in the hospital, yeah. Could you not come visit me? <laughs> and we all burst laughing. <coughs> that's exactly how we felt. Man, whether well, you've been a Christian no years or two years or ten years, there's times you get smacked in the face by life and it doesn't matter what you believe, duh. You have to re-wrestle with what you believe, duh. Is God still with me? And we need people to come around us and remind us God is with us. Remind us he's worked through very difficult things in the past. He can work in your circumstances now. Now, if you've felt lost, if you've doubted, if you've wondered, you're in good company. The Bible's filled with lament psalms and the book of Habakkuk, the book of Lamentations, people wondering, God, how does your goodness in my circumstances show up? I need you to be my faithful. Fiery guide now. I saw an interview with Matthew McConaughey. He wrote this book called Green Lights. What's particularly fascinating about this book was Matthew calls himself a Christian. I don't know what his, his faith is or isn't, but he Says he's a follower of Jesus. But it was so interesting that he wanted to write a biography about what had happened in his life and his career. And he would kept detailed notes over the years of all of the journal entries of his career, the ups and downs of it. So he hired this ghostwriter to do his book. And because of a couple different things going on, the ghostwriter was too busy. So he was going to kind of put it on hold. And his wife said, no, I want I want you to dig into that journal yourself. I think people want to hear it in your voice. So he said he would get a two or three liter uh, bottle of water and he would actually hike out into the wilderness, he said, for about six to eight weeks, if I remember. And he's just sitting out there baking in the sun with his notebooks, going back to the time he was in his teens. And he was just going to reflect on the past, the present, the future. He was just so honest. It's not really a gossipy book. It's just such an interesting book of somebody looking at themselves through their older eyes. And he said, I really was scared that I was going to find out what an SOB I was when I was a kid. Because I remember just how I acted. But I was struck at how faithful God had been to me. How lucky I had been. The more I found myself in tears at moments, I found myself laughing at moments, I found myself embarrassed at myself at moments, but also so grateful that that arrogant kid was arrogant enough to try stuff that I probably wouldn't try today. He goes, and I walked away from that experience week after week, day after day of reflecting on the past. I just felt so grateful and so lucky. To which we're like, well, sure, you're Matthew McConaughey, I bet you do. But how often do we take moments to look back at the bullheaded stages of our life and the arrogant moments of our life, and just think about whether you believe in God or believe in in a greater force that something got me to where I am today? And maybe that's God, or maybe that's some God trying to call out to you, to use the circumstance in your life to to draw you closer to Him. Do you have reminders? Of truths, so that you can know God is with you. It's not just the past and the present, it's also God wants you to know He will be your faithful, fiery guide. You're saying it's one thing that it's happening now, but I'm facing some things I never faced before as I look into the future. How can I know for sure He will be my faithful, fiery guide? Right? That's our third reminder. But to understand it, let's talk about the menorah for a second again. Because there's two different menorahs, and maybe you've seen both of them before. One of them has eight candles in the background with kind of a ninth protruding towards you. That's for Hanukkah. So have you ever heard somebody talk about Hanukkah? It's the, the festival of dedication. And that is not the same thing as Moses' menorah. So Moses' menorah is on the right, but often people think of the Hanukkah menorah on the left. Hanukkah is from... A couple hundred B.C., a time of the Maccabees. The Maccabees were a group of uh, Jewish uh, freedom fighters who had lost access to the temple for like 150 years. So they came in, they pushed back Antiochus Epiphanes, they ended up winning the battle. Think of like our, uh, a revolutionary war kind of thing. It's a celebration of independence. They came in, they fought for religious freedom. They took back the temple after 150 years of not having access to God's temple, God's presence. But they didn't have enough olive oil to keep the light burning. Said so a little bitty cup of it. They took this little cup of olive oil and kind of fueled up the candles. And miraculously, that little bit of oil burned for eight days. And Jews today, Hebrews today, celebrate Hanukkah. As a reminder of the miracle about 100 to 200 B.C. with the Maccabees. That God miraculously allowed the light of his presence to glow in the midst of their challenging circumstances. Now there was another festival of light that was related to the menorah of Jesus. And that was a feast called festivals or Sukkot. It was a time that you would actually live outside in a tent for a whole week. And you'd look back at your car, you'd look back at your house, I mean, it would car back then, but even today, they do that today. You, you sit in a tabernacle and you remember, look at all the stuff we have that we forget to be thankful for. So people live in a tent every year at Sukkot at this festival of light. It's a time of reflection on how thankful they are for what God has done in the past and the present so they can trust him in the future. Now remember, Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. And by the time he shows up, Sukkot is in place, the feast of Tabernacles, and so is Hanukkah. In the book of John, we find Jesus going to both festivals because he went to the Jewish festivals to celebrate in those days. So in John chapter 10, we think he's showing up to Hanukkah. It says this, it was the feast of dedication. That's what Hanukkah means, to dedicate. So Jesus shows up at the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and the Jews said, hey, how long do you keep us in doubt, Jesus? Are you the Christ? Tell us plainly. Now would be a good time. And in Hanukkah and Sukkot, there was a moment where the priest would climb up this gigantic menorah. I mean, King Herod built a menorah that was 50 foot tall, like this giant birthday candle. And the priest would climb all the way up this ladder to the top of this giant candle. And the wicks were made out of old priestly garments. I mean, that's a big wick, it's just a whole outfit. They'd dip it in olive oil. And then everyone would gather around as they're waiting for the light. And just as they would go to light the candle, this gigantic menorah, at that moment, as everybody's just about to see the lights come on, Jesus yells out for all to hear, I am the light of the world, and he who walks in darkness shall follow me. And you will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He says, all that religious ritual was nice, but it really pointed to me. What you really need is me. I was the light of the tabernacle. I'm the one who answers prayers. I'm the one that gives you the forgiveness that comes only from the God box. I am the reminder that God is with you. And Jesus came to say, I'm the fulfillment of everything you heard about in the Old Testament. And I want you to know for sure that I am with you. And so when he left earth, after he raised himself from the dead, Jesus said, I'm sending my Holy Spirit to live in you. So if you ask Christ to be your forgiver and to be your leader, you invite him into your life. And so his light is with you now and in the future. You can trust him for comfort and for courage and for wisdom. I got a phone call from a guy recently. He said, Chad, I've been going through a really terrible divorce. I'm like, yeah, they're all pretty terrible. He said, and I stumbled into Horizon about nine months ago. He did a message, actually, about the adulterous woman. Um, I said, which one do you mean by that? He says, well, it was actually the, uh, the scarlet letter. I said, oh, yeah, I remember the, the series we did in the scarlet letter. He said, I feel like since I've gotten a divorce, I've got a big scarlet letter on me. It's a big scarlet D. And I listened to that message, and I felt like God, you told me that God wants people with secrets and people who are damaged in his family tree. And I felt so lost after my divorce. I felt so lost from God, lost from my family, lost from everything that, that I thought mattered to me that I failed in. And I have been coming every week since then. And God has been using, sometimes I'm watching online, sometimes at the service, but God has been using that. And I am starting to believe He is faithful, that He is available, that he, He's healing me, He's changing me, He's fixing things that were broken in me. Like that's exactly what we're here to do. We're here to give you that courage of knowing the light that God is faithful in the future and he's been faithful in the past. So how about for you? They had lights and candles and incense altars. Do you have any daily habits in your life? Could you, could you develop some daily habits to remind you of God's light, his promises? I said the primary way he does it post-Joshua post is with his Bible. He says, My word is a lamp unto your feet. Be of strong and of good courage. Meditate on my word. Remember the law of God. So that you cannot be dismayed. So that you can have that strength and courage. Meditate day and night on my promises command those children to burn it continually. Do you have ways in which you're burning the lamp continually? Because our world will keep getting you lost and keep dumping darkness on you. If you don't keep lighting the light, if you don't daily find ways to, to put the flicker of promises and hope in your life, it's just easy how quickly we get lost. And what we try and do at our church is we try and make it real easy on you, right? Life's hard enough. How can we make stuff easy? So we try and find some daily easy ways to put that habit in place to keep you on track. One of the ways we do that is with our app. If you've never downloaded our app, just type in Horizon Space CC. There's just tools there to daily put doses of light and hope into your life. If you look on the right-hand side or your left-hand side, you'll see as the main screen comes up. You might say, I want to get involved with some other people. You can see there's that four critical decision thing coming up there. See, if you click on current messages, the messages that you can send other people, you can just click send. If this was helpful to you, you can send it to somebody. Our pathway, we have a, a different service that we do at our, our first two services, totally different from this one, 100% differently. If you say, I'm, I'm learning a lot in, our, in our, our third service, our exploring service, maybe you want to try just listening to our equipping service, another dose during the week of spiritual fortitude. Or maybe you want to click on past messages. We have gone back through 18 years of messages and put topics specific to messages if that's something you need. And we all need it. If you click on past messages, you'll see there's a little magnifying glass in the top right corner. You can search by book of the Bible, by the speaker, or by keyword. If you click on keyword, you can say, boy, I'm feeling lost. I need, are there any messages about leadership, about depression, about marriage, about parenting? 18 years of messages we have stored up Only the last two and a half years are video. Everything else is audio because we didn't have that resource then. Where you can find the daily tools you need when you need hope, when you need courage, when you need leadership, when you're facing whatever you're facing. Tools. Or maybe you're not sure exactly what you want. You just want a daily dose. We've taken all the messages for 18 years and categorized them by a book of Bible. Let's look on the right-hand side. 46 messages going through the book of Genesis. 17 messages going through Exodus. We stopped a third of the way. Leviticus, the whole thing, 27 messages. Numbers, Deuteronomy, blah, blah, blah. You're like, I want to get to know this book. It's just too hard. I pick it up and it's too confusing. Literally press play while you're in the shower. Literally press play while you're driving to work. Find ways to have daily doses of God's promises. And what you're going to discover from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible is a God who miraculously doesn't wait for us to get our act together. Oh, you're lost? Come on, find yourself, and then I'll come find you. No. A God who chases after lost people. Come here. I'm with you. Come here. Let me help. Maybe for some of us, we need a group. we got a women's group coming up in a few weeks that Beth Buchenberg is going to be part of, you want to sign up for. Maybe it's the, the event I mentioned here with the four critical decisions that Ken Kington's doing. We need other people to help put courage in us to remind us that we're not alone. He helps rediscover the God who's not like this lightning bolt God who's trying to send a lightning bolt down on us, but one who chases after us when we feel lost. Let me pray for us. I want you to hear this, this song. you probably heard this song before, but probably never thought of it in this way. I want you to imagine God sitting across from you at Starbucks, and you've just kind of opened up about that, sliver in your life, that air in your life that you're feeling lost, and I want this song to be his words to you as you face whatever you're facing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a seeking God. You are an adventurous God. You are a courageous God, and you see us in our needs, and you come after us. In Jesus' name. I want that for you. I want you to know a God that time after time he'll be faithful whatever you face. So maybe you just want to respond to him in prayer. If it helps, you can close your eyes if if that's helpful to you and maybe just say to God, hey, I'm feeling a little lost. Maybe it's a specific area, maybe it's a big area, but I'm feeling a little lost and I want you to find me. I want you to be the light of the world. Jesus, I believe That you are the light that came into this world to forgive me and guide me. Even to die for me. Maybe just tell them that specific situation that you're facing. maybe just invite him into it. Say, God, will you be my faithful, fiery guide in this situation right now? God, we thank you for how good you've been to us as a church, how you've been able to allow us to lean on each other and help those who need somebody to lean on them and to lean on to, Father. We just are so grateful to you and everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before you go, just one last thing. I know uh, if you weren't here last week, you may not have seen it. But sometimes it's helpful to stay on the track, to stay kind of mentally in the right space when you're around other people. And so we do have something starting next week with Ken Kington. Uh, Ken's going to explain just a second what's going on. But I want to invite you, if you need those daily reminders and you need some community to do it, maybe this is a kind of thing for you, the four critical decisions. Last thing, and then we'll say goodbye. Here you go, Ken.
1: Hi, Horizon. It's Ken Kington, and I'm so looking forward to being back there. Over 30 years of performing stand-up comedy and speaking at at thousands of corporate events and motivational, inspirational events, I met some of the most amazing leaders from all walks of life, heads of departments in Ivy League schools. I I met the CEOs, COOs, and CFOs of 80 of the Fortune 100 companies in the world at one event. And that was just one event of Thousands of corporate events I've done. I've sat down and had dinner with Super Bowl winning coaches, Heisman Trophy winners, and the list goes on and on. But what I love to do in those situations is listen. How did you get there? What was the key? What was the secret? And I discovered it wasn't abilities and it wasn't even opportunities. It was actually decisions that these amazing leaders make. And I found over the years that they started to fall in one of four critical categories that was the key to unlock success. So whatever your frustration or maybe your desire is, maybe it's relational or financial or vocational, I promise one of these four critical decisions will be the key to unlock those. We're gonna look at one each week starting on September 26th and Monday mornings uh, on the 27th and moving forward for four weeks. You can make them all or if you just make one, that's fine. But I promise you're gonna walk away with some amazing insights It's going to be at Horizon. You can go to their website right now and get a few more details, but register as soon as possible because the series, Four Critical Decisions, starts September 26th and 27th. It's Sunday nights at 8 o'clock, Monday mornings at 6.09. They're interchangeable. Come to whatever you can. Be there whenever you can, but don't miss it.
0: So thanks for being here today and again, join us next week. Ken's going to speak at this service next week. So if you love Ken and you want to invite some friends, next week to be a great service to invite him to. And again, we'd love to have you at the men's group for the four critical decisions. Thanks for being here. If we can pray for you, if you knew the church, third door on the left, we'd love to say hi. Thanks for watching in the tent. Thanks for watching online. We'll see you all next week.